When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Brian O'Neill, your host for today's episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner as we kick off Season 2 in 2023. Today, I'm being joined by Eric Nguyen and Scott Berman, co-creators of the new four-issue miniseries, White Savior from Dark Horse Comics. You get to be my first interview guest of 2023. I'm excited to have you on today, so welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, We're excited. We're trying to uh, get people to understand the book and actually because it's a even though it's a dark horse we we it is an independent kind of book and uh hopefully we get uh we get more people who understand what we're trying to say with the book yeah absolutely uh, (laughs) the title is definitely jarring and uh, i'm excited for the whole world to know that white savior is a satirical comedy so that i don't have to explain what white savior is to every single person i talk to and so we're hoping uh comic book yeti will get the word out there hey we'll do our best you know <laughs> when i was reading the advanced solicits for the project I, I knew i wanted to talk to you about it the name does catch your attention for sure so um for those that haven't heard about it yet kind of give me your log line elevator pitch that sort of thing and then we'll we'll jump right into some more details all right well uh, scott will probably do the uh, the pitch he's great at that <laughs> okay so one one good bad thing about doing White Savior with Eric is that I am a talker. I'm a I majored in theater at USC. I'm a showman, but White Savior should be talked about by probably Eric more than me. But uh, being the pitch man is a gift and a curse in this case. Um, but I'll, I'll give you the elevator because uh, I've done it so many millions of times. Why not? Uh, so White Savior is a spoof of what they call White Savior movies. Uh, Some common ones are um, The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise, um, The Great Wall with Matt Damon. Uh, So our book basically asks, what if uh, the white guy who was destined to save everybody was an idiot? And so uh, the hero of our book is an Asian-American teacher, Todd Parker, who time travels to feudal Japan and has to convince everyone not to follow the white savior. So um, that right there is my very rehearsed uh, pitch for the book over here. Which I'm sure you've done a thousand times already. So. <laughs> a thousand, yeah. I hope it didn't come off to her. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so how did you both connect to get this started? Oof. Well, I, I got um, I got this email from Scott, what is it, seven years ago? Uh, about seven years ago. And he just, out of nowhere, just sent me emails. And I'm sure he sent 
every other artist's emails about uh, all the awesome scripts that he has and all these stories that he has. And uh, and actually, um, I, it was one during one of my downtime where I had time to read stuff. And so I actually read a couple of his, of his scripts. And uh, he's actually pretty funny. Um, I've done so many uh, books before, X-Men, First Class, uh, Old Man Logan, Starboy, and all that stuff. But uh, his actually his script is actually one that I actually enjoy reading because it was so funny. Um, I, it was something that I haven't done before. Everything I've done was kind of dystopia, kind of serious um, comic book. And when I read a script, man, it was something that, you know, I would read through it and actually have ideas and, uh, and it's just, and, and that wasn't it's just a different script for the record. It's just his script, his other scripts in general, because he was doing another book with someone else. And I thought, I, I just thought it was so funny because he he's really is a, a really uh, gifted um, scripting as far as understanding character characterization. And so when we started, and when I had a little bit more time after I finished, I think I was working on Starboy at the time. Um, 2000, I, so, yes. I, I don't even know. Star Either the, the, Logan the or Star Wars. Yeah, comic book. Yeah. Uh, for all, I'll fill in some blanks. Yeah, the, the weekend he uh, picked Eric out to be his artist for a comic book. So, um, yeah. Uh, have, have you uh, have you seen Starboy, uh, Byron? I have not, no. I'm, I'm a Strange Girl fan. but Oh, awesome, awesome. Thing. Well, um, the weekend is, you know, the R&B rapper weekend. Uh, he he did this book with Marvel a, a, a few years back and uh, actually got picked to do that book. And uh, it was actually a, a big deal at the time. And so uh, working with, uh, you know, someone like the weekend, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome. The real problem here is he went from the weekend to Scott Berman. There has <laughs> never been a steeper decline in the history of anything than than that but uh yeah super bowl halftime scott berman super bowl halftime right guy who eats out of the garbage can if he needs to scott berman yes well i'm getting a little bit a little bit of it already but kind of give me a window into to your collaboration this is among other things as you mentioned a comedy and i think comedy is way harder than than people think it is uh, to write, especially in a comic book. So, you know, I'm going through my first collaborative comics writing experience myself right now. So how do you how do you get that 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 comedic timing down and write sort of as a duo, as a partnership? Well, Scott, you can you start up. You can start uh, because Scott would just um, throw stuff all over the place at me. I'm I'll have about seven, seven ideas for jokes for every panel or whatever. Um, and so we, we kind of realized early on, because uh, we were we knew we wanted to do something, so that's how we kind of came up with the idea together. We were just brainstorming a bunch of different stuff. And, um, and uh, basically what happened was Eric was kind of feeling like he wanted to draw like a little unfettered. He wanted to kind of not go by, because with Marvel and, and DC, you know, you got to go by a specific, okay, this panel. A lot of times you have to do like this panel's this, this panel. So Eric wanted uh, just the epitome of freedom, you know, and uh, and so I said, you know what, let's try the Marvel method out. And so we came up with a basic kind of outline of the script together. And uh, and then Eric just just drew based on kind of the story. And then when he was done drawing, we kind of got together and we, uh, we stripped out the pages. And usually it would just be me throwing out a lot of crazy jokes for the page. And I think that 
actually made the book a lot funnier because we did that. Um, because we didn't have to adhere to anything. We could say, okay, here's the joke we're going to put on the page. And a lot of times, um, if you ever see a joke that's really, really bad in the comic, that's me right here. Like corny, canned jokes, all Scott Berman. Um, uh, but yeah, but, and then, yeah, Eric and I would just throw ideas around and we'd, uh, a lot of times we just do a little trial and error and see if it kind of looked good or felt good on the page. But, um, one of the funny differences between me and Eric is, uh, the, the book is a little, uh, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but it, it can, it can start to enter that category. And so we have to be very, very careful with the, um, serious subject matter. And so me, I after every joke, because I'll just say them, they'll just pop out of my mouth. I'll be like, wait, 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 we can't say that. Eric would always be like, nah, screw it, we can do it. And uh, Eric had no no fear, no filter in Eric. I wish I, I had that, but I'm literally afraid of everything. So, yes. <laughs> so what made, at, at the beginning, why a comedy, right? So White Savior, and you, you're touching on you know, a relatively sensitive and, and relevant, important subject, yeah. but you know, why comedy? Um, well, you know, seven years ago when we started this and when, when we came up with the whole idea six, seven years ago, it wasn't as prevalent as, as it is now. You know, we came right. we thought it was so funny, goofy, yeah. you know, and funny. And by the time we we finished the whole thing, you know, six, seven years now, uh, it, you know, the whole issue of, of, you know, white savior and all that is actually a, bit, a little bit more prominent uh, at the at the moment but it, it really is like a for us it's, it's still it's comedy uh we laugh at it and uh, and the reason why i want to do to com- uh, do a comedy is because i was getting kind of you know I, again i was doing things with just dark noir stuff black blood and people just getting gunned down killed and all that stuff so what about For the record, there's still a lot of good fun area oh, yeah, yeah. drawn violence in our book, but it's funny. Yeah, yeah. We still we still have things happen and, and people getting um chopped up, I guess. <laughs> but it, but it, it's, it's in, in a, a funny way they get murdered. Yeah. yeah. Um but you know, I will just I'll just add to that. So I one one thing that you'd kind of think most of the times books with this kind of plot can tend to maybe be a little heavy handed and maybe uh, a little preachy at times. Uh, maybe sure. I think, I think a lot of people kind of have, we're noticing cause we're just getting the book out there. We're, they're assuming that the book is going to be like that. And so one kind of misconception is the way we thought of this. It's not like we thought, Oh, we want to send this message out. How can we send this message out? It was actually literally just a quick aside joke. Um, it was when the movie The Great Wall with with Matt Damon was coming out, and Eric and I were just saying, "What what if Matt Damon was an idiot?" and and we kind of just laughed at that. Um, and he wasn't the one who was going to save everybody. And literally, that's kind of where we we came up with the idea: is that okay? This is really funny. We could make a book out of this. And then it wasn't until we kind of started um, working on it we realized, okay, wait, maybe the message is a little bit more important. But for us, the focus is always story first, comedy first, and the message, if we get the story and the comedy right, the message will be very, very clear. And so that's why we we like to think it's probably the funniest, greatest book you'll ever read in your entire life. But that's just our opinion, you know. We'll, um, we'll go with that. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, the, there has been so much kind of culturally as a shift in America over seven years. It could have been way more controversial back then. So are there elements of the story that you found have evolved or changed kind of from, from its inception? For me, no. Uh, I've, I, you know, going through it, working on it bit by bit, it, it, to me, it was just uh, still something fun to do. Uh, I still wanted to make it more of a lighthearted comedy. Uh, you can tell by the way it's drawn. It's, I went back to kind of like an open style uh, artwork style to it where it's more kind of cartoony in, in its in its coloring style and not so heavy blacks uh such that again I, I just wanted to get away from i want to do something like you like you know uh because strange girl was my first and i had no idea what i was doing with strange girl and it turned out the rawness of that people enjoyed mm -hmm. uh and so i wanted to get back to that as well where i, I was doing more free artwork freestyle artwork while I'm doing this type, while I was doing this book, instead of being so, you know, confined and so sort of like okay, dark, gritty, and stuff like that. It, it was just kind of I, I was past that at the time. Needed something different. Yeah, just definitely different. My my ever... biggest. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, my my biggest fear in this is that because it took seven years. I was worried somebody else would have a, a similar idea or come up with come up with it. And so I remember I watched something on um on NBC. It was a uh, oh I'm I'm butchering her name. Uh it's she's the she's a female like peacock host Amber. I don't know what her name was, but they had a, a white savior preview for a movie, uh a fake preview for a white savior movie. Um it dealt mostly with like african-american white saviors but still i was like oh oh no we, we got to get this thing out there it's gonna someone's gonna gonna have this a similar idea and so um yeah i was all on board with oh i was biting my fingers because when it started becoming more prevalent i was like uh oh we're, we're beating everybody the punch we got to make sure we we beat everybody the punch well kind of in terms of punch lines was there anything that you ever had that moment that you're like uh okay shit maybe we took this a little too far me no. every single day <laughs> eric never no not in my opinion i i love i, I love me i i i'm i'm back to the the kind of co uh comedian who 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 are kind of uh you know the george carlin i i i don't mind political uh comedy either yeah. Um, I, I'm not so sensitive to, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm back in you know, Chappelle. I mean, come on, you know, I, I'm back to that sort of where, you know, you know, I'm more in that, that type of line where comedy is comedy. And, and, you know, wh what was that uh, one that you keep talking about blazing saddle? I mean, it's oh, just yeah. fun stuff before. And so uh, to me, um, when, when Scott throws out these jokes on the scripts, and I read through it and I find which one that works uh, as far as the story for the comic. I just went at it. I mean, it, it, for me, it was funny. For me, it kept me entertained while I was doing this. Well, there's something I was curious about. You know, it's funny, but I mean, how how personal is this? How much did you did you both kind of really need to get this out of your heads? Right. And, you know, this isn't me trying to rip a Band-Aid off, but, you know, I, 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 we've all seen, right? 
the the rise of hate crimes, you know, especially more recently focused on Asian Americans. You know, it feels like this particularly poignant time in our history as a country to create, you know, broader, diverse dialogues through our stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's why I was drawn to it. So, I mean, can you speak to me kind of about how how personal is it, or are you just okay? I well, just love this story. Well, I, I I like, but you know, when when you read it, like Todd Parker, I, I actually relate to him. I mean, I I have had some of those experiences, and you know, I don't know karate, but <laughs> but you know, and uh, it, it's just and you know, McDonald's and all that stuff. I mean, that's I I, I relate to it, and a lot of times when he's thinking about stuff, I that. I've, I've had those same thoughts, you know, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of it to me, I, I find it humor, humorous. I, I never really taken those things so seriously. Um, and so when, when the, those jokes arise, I, I, I'm okay with it. And, and because that is actually something that's happened before or something similar to it. Yeah, and for sure. For me being the, the white guy writing, uh, <laughs> writing for for Todd Parker as as well with Eric. For me, Todd Parker is the voice of everybody who's ever kind of been ignored. And I feel like I ain't shy. I'm I'm 40. And uh, the closest I've come to success, I I bumped into Shaq at a pizza restaurant once, Um, you know. And so for me, Todd is Todd is the guy who everybody is. He's the guy saying, hey, why don't you give me a chance? Why I'm going to be just as good as, and everybody's got those people who've been given the chance while they've been overlooked. And so Todd is basically the guy yelling at the world, Hey, give me a chance. Um, and so that to me is, is what kind of the book is, is, is all about for, from, from my perspective. Um, it's about giving chances to people who aren't typically in the limelight, if you will. Sure. I mean, Todd as a character is is super fascinating to me. Um, there's the, you know, the anglicized name, you know, kind of first of all, um, which always trips me up. You know, my son's best friend is the exact same thing. He's Tommy. Um, he's from China. He's he's not a Chinese American. You know, he's in school here, but they split time between here and Shanghai. He prefers Tommy. So, you know, obviously I'm going to respect that. And we've seen some of this same thing played out in Shang-Chi with Sean. You know, changing his name to be more palatable to you know white Western ears. So, what made that kind of an important element um, to to have in the central character of the story? It's because it's actually it's actually true. I mean, I like yeah. in in my when when elementary school and uh, middle school, I, I actually went by my given name, my Vietnamese name. All right, it's only until um, mid high school and definitely college I, I just went by Eric because. So much easier to present yourself as Eric or a name that that I gravitate gravitated to, uh, and it's just so much easier without repeating yourself or or yeah. you know you'll man I come from California in California itself you know you'll have to repeat yourself. Can you imagine going to someone somewhere else and uh, even even look Nuyen? You know how many different ways Nuyen is pronounced, um, and so. There's a time we just, okay, I, I, I accept that. That's fine, New Yen. Uh, some people say when, um, which is, you know, it's, it's accurate as well. But the way it's spelled, I mean, people just want to have that two-syllable word. And so, sure. I, so it's like, okay, 
Nguyen. We'll leave it at that. And so we just move on from there. And so for for me, it was actually a an easier way to transition to um, going through, you know, uh, high school, college, and and so on. Uh, you don't have to repeat yourself. You don't have to say who, where, what, you know. And so, you know, it, it was just easier. And I, I find that a lot of of my friends, uh, we have we've had that same experience. It's just easier. We're we we tend to be more um, uh, acclimated, I, I guess you you would say. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, raging against any uh, culture or anything like that. I say that that's fine with me. I'm cool. Well, what else was important for for you both to kind of include with Todd as a character? I mean, Eric, you've kind of touched a little bit on it. Well, one one funny thing that that I should mention about the name Todd itself. So, when we're, when Eric and I were brainstorming and coming up with a quick outline, and I hate thinking of names when I'm when I'm brainstorming names of characters. I'm like, let's just get a placeholder. So, a lot of times, what I do for character names, the first name I see, I put that in as a placeholder name, and then I can change the name later. Todd's the name of my brother. It was just a placeholder character. Uh, we, we need the name Todd. Okay, yeah, Peter Parker. He's kind of like got a quirky sense of humor. Todd Parker. There we go. Got and it. So at first, we we just used that it is a placeholder name. But the more we were thinking about it, and Eric was saying like, yeah, just have him be named Todd. You know, he doesn't need some. He's just a guy like me. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know how my brother's gonna feel about it, but eh, screw him. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Well, you talk, it's interesting. You talk about placeholders, but um, so I, I looked this up because I was curious. I always look for Easter eggs, hidden meanings, whether they're there or not, right? Um, well, whatever but, you say, we're going to turn into an Easter egg. Uh, okay. It's hey, hey go with it. Thought of that. Yeah. So, so you have Anoki, as, uh, which I looked up, um, which was the, the Japanese wrestler, mixed martial artist, politician. You know, people who listen regularly to podcasts know I was like a production assistant many many lifetimes ago for wcw you know uh, so either are you wrestling fans okay all right oh, yeah up. yeah okay bad guy is kenzo from i think kenzo uh, suzuki yoshihiro tajiri the next issue will have a lot more um wrestling fans as well in it very good very good uh byron well i try to do my homework you know <laughs> Was were there any other relevant like place or people names in there aside from your brother, which you just kind of had to throw in there to get some brownie points with your mom? <laughs> I, uh, I, Eric, I kind of think offhand. No, I don't. Um, whatever, where, whatever that, that was in the script that was uh, given by uh, you know that we written in. I again, um, I actually, a lot of it. The reason why we we stuck with for me we stuck with Todd Parker was just just the way it was written how um, the narration it was to me it reminded me of you know like like what Scott was saying Peter Parker and but he he changed it up a little bit where he's like oh you know I'm I'm not a superior I'm not this I'm not that but I am your everyday guy while he's riding his bike getting groceries and uh, and remember to get cookies for his grandfather. With uh, with respect to the story's construction, there's one thing, okay, we're talking about Easter eggs, and you're, you can make this up if you'd like, but um, I don't want to give away too much. I'll do my best to dance around it, but th there is an Alice in Wonderland element or moment um, kind of as a transition point with Todd in the, the first issue of the story, which I was privileged enough to be able to read. Um, 
So maybe that's my brain making connections that aren't there with the mention of a rabbit. Um, is there any background on that? Are you like totally? I, I know the. I know. I know exactly the page that you're talking about when he when he starts. We can not much of a spoiler. He starts time traveling. Eric, that's 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 a you thing. I don't know if you in it did it on purpose or not. You know the page where he starts to basically fall through time, if you will. Yeah, that just uh, again. I when I read the script, I just had that visual of him falling that way. It's through that uh, through that uh, alley or gate. Uh, and it, it was just, I guess, um, a lucky coincidence or something. Uh, it was the right, we'll say. Yes, of course it's just it something was. That, it just came to mind when I read the script that I wanted to portray the visuals that way. Well, kind of with respect to the visuals, you know, you've you've worked with, you know, some of the biggest heroes in the business with the big two. Is there any difference? You kind of referenced it earlier with um, kind of wanting to craft, craft the visuals in a different way. So I'm just trying to kind of get a window into your approach to working on more of the creator owned thing versus working on Wolverine. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, my storytelling has changed a lot these days and, uh, I've, I've gotten, like I said, I've done so many works where I had to stay within borders all the time. You know, people keep telling you it's good storytelling to stay within panels, borders, but I got to the point where I kind of like, breaking borders. I kind of like uh, having a sort of uh, narration where the character will actually narrate itself from one panel to the next by breaking these borders and having these visuals that uh, the only way I can do that was actually create her own work. I mean, again, it reminds me of getting back to Strange Girl, where when I first broke into this business, I had no preconceived idea of what storytelling for comics was. So I was just doing whatever I did and you know just by reading a script and i enjoy that doing that again i enjoy just figuring out five pages how am i going to tell this and if i need to break borders on all of them i will i don't i didn't have to stay confined and so you'll see that happening a lot especially at the end of issue four where i'm just using panels actually um to direct the eye as well not just as a border within a story um the panel itself is used to direct the action direct the eye direct the character so and and that part i actually enjoy again doing uh because there's so there's only there's when you're when you're stuck in a panel to panel to panel which is great if it if that's what the story or the script needs but a lot of times i i want to go back to why i love comics and that's just visually enjoyed um great art and just fun storytelling um mcfarland broke so many rules and he's the one who got me into comics in the first place i mean back then mcfarland was doing anything but everything that was told not to do and he was doing it so i mean and that's what i enjoy and that's what i wanted to get back to yeah there's a a freedom and openness that, that definitely comes across. Um, I'm uh, as an aspiring comics colorist uh, now. So that's one, one thing that really jumped out to me were um, Triono. Am I pronouncing their name correctly? The colorist on the book? No, we've only emailed him. So we're, yeah. We we're call pretty- him Iwan. Okay. Uh, right. Iwan. Well, right? Iwan. Yeah. We, yeah. We've never actually, he, we've never actually, we, 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 
email him back and forth. Yeah, we've never spoken with him. Yeah, I never spoke out loud with him. So, well, they the the coloring really jumps out to me because your artistic style in this book has lots of figure space. If if that sort of makes sense, you know. Oh, yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So the the heavy lifting is is kind of more on the colorists because. Yeah. They're having to get the shading down, and that's not filled in with blacks the way you'd see, like every Batman ever, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, a lot so, of, and it's oh, well, a lot of times I actually help uh, him get the shadows down because I would do um, in my black and white, I would do actually a a layer that has shadows in it, but in a lighter color, so that he can kind of understand where my light source is coming from. Then he'll use that and use the and use his colors and and fill in the shading part, but I actually give enough information in grays uh, for him to use as a color uh, guide as well. And that's okay. the same thing what I used to do in Strange Girl. If if uh, if people have seen my great my uh, pencil work, line art work for Strange Girl uh, in black and white, you'll see that I, I do a lot of grays in there too, just so it makes it easier for them. They're not so overwhelmed as a colorist. What do I do with such an open line art? style and a lot a lot of times um, a lot of colors will have problems with that like where to start and so giving them as some sort of gray guys helps a lot okay well i feel like we've we've touched on you know some visuals and we've talked about todd but like in, in terms of the the story's construction i want to try to give people who are like okay I, I'm, I'm thinking about going and picking this up right and the white savior thing is is pretty on the nose right so so that's out there, but I, I've read issue one, and before we started, you kind of alluded to things really ramp up in the rest of the story after issue one. So it could be a coming of age story. There, obviously, there's a story about racism. There's comedy here. So, so what exactly does? How would you encompass this this story exactly? And then, like, you're you're trying to to really. Thinking of the most delicious sandwich you ever ate. The most delicious sandwich, it's not just going to be one piece of chicken and two pieces of bread. You're going to have every flavor imaginable because your taste buds will be overwhelmed by how amazing this sandwich is. That only starts to describe how great our book is. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's got everything for everybody. It's got, obviously, the strong message. Um, it's got... The most badass action you'll ever see from Eric. It's got killer comedy on every page. We go guns a blazing on the jokes, um, and it's just an adventure. It's 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 an adventure that you're you know you're gonna go on. You're gonna fall in love with these characters. Uh, you're gonna be rooting for them. You're gonna be uh, laughing your ass off the entire time, and you're definitely gonna say, "Wow, this is the greatest book I ever read." We got to give that that Eric guy an Eisner award because his shelves are just empty. We got to we got to put one up there. Um, and I'm half kidding on here, but I'm also really serious. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just it's just the best damn time you'll have reading a comic book. It's got the message. It's got literally everything you could want. Um, everything you could want in a comic. Well, the, the yeah. thing I, I the, the thing I enjoy about doing it when I when I reread the four issues is that uh, it's not just a, you know it's not just the book has a message, but the the again uh, Neil is a great supporting character, Maggie's a great supporting character. They work so well in such a comedy way 
like um, what is this, the Three's Company or something. It, it just, it's a, it, it was just a. The We've always crossed the surface in that yeah. first issue of yeah. these. Uh, yes, yeah, the dialogue characters. between those three, the characterization between each other. I mean, it's one of those stories. It's not so like a lot of comic books. You, you when you read it, it it's it's so um, it, it's so short that it needs to drive the the whole like mission of the comic book, a uh, mission of the story. This mm-hmm. actually, a lot of times they're talking with each other. They're they're they're. There's, there's there's a lot of script between each other that I, I think it, I think is more of a uh, like a, a show, not just a comic book. I mean, I, I read a lot of comics where there's not the dialogue is only to accomplish a, a mission. Everyone's dialogue is to so it is to push that mission forward. This is not they, they banter a lot, and that's what I and that's what I enjoy. Yeah, from one of my personal favorites, you have a the Beavis and Butthead moment where um, the, in the battle scene and everybody's complaining about all their various injured regions of their bodies, right? And I can't keep, I can't get Beavis out of my head, you know, where he's saying my liver, my liver repeatedly. But um, one of the things that I found super refreshing about it is, is, is exactly that. Like I'm, I'm having trouble trying to pin it down, which is really, really refreshing. I mean, even, even opening with the the grandfather and the grandson and this very you know typical narrative element that okay and then it just completely flips that on its head um which, which is which is super refreshing i really enjoyed that thank you thank Thanks. you and uh and yeah we're excited about because like we said the first issue is kind of a setup for everything and then the second i think is when you start to get into the meat of it uh and like like the third think, gets worse, and then we finish it off on the fourth. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got four issues or 88-odd pages, seven years in this. Um, it feels like you've got to have a lot more in the locker. Um, where would you like to see it go? I mean, it, it feels in ways um, already cinematic, uh, kind of, sort of. So, it's, And given Todd's occupation, um, it, it just it it feels like it's destined for the screen, guys. The last the last page of issue four it will it will remind you of the past as well, but it is so well, you know. We don't uh, want to spoil anything too know. much, but <laughs> of course, the last page of issue. I, I like to consider uh, issue one a drug. I was telling Dark Horse that I would give issue one for free to everybody if I could, because. I think people will enjoy it so much and want to read so much more that they'll be jonesing for it so bad. They'll be doing the typical, I want to buy drugs things. Kids will be stealing from their parents in order to get their hands on issue two. Uh, So um, yeah, I think it it definitely sets up, uh, sets up. There's a lot you can do with this. And, and we are actually excited as well, not only continuing this series, but um, we're excited about, potentially having um, other underrepresented groups have their own spin and takes on the white savior narrative and maybe um, creating a universe, if you will, with different kind of stories from um, different kind of white savior narratives that can be, um, that can be um, a satire uh, turned into a satire. And uh, yeah. And so we're, we're just a lot of options, but, for us right now, the concern is making sure everybody knows uh, everybody knows it's a funny book 
and uh, uh, it's got a great message, great action, and just spreading awareness because the the comic book world is a little oversaturated right now. We just want people to get get out there. It's it's a uh, doing independent work, even though again it's from Dark Horse, and Dark Horse has such a strong uh, support, and uh, they have so many good lines of comic. Um, again, it it's still hard to get that awareness. Uh, you know, especially with with comic book readers, and they have so much to buy and you know look through these days as well. Yeah, we're just we're just making sure that uh, that people uh, people know about it and 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 uh, yeah, spread the word. Because I think, like I was saying earlier, you might have preconceived notions about what White Savior is, but uh, you have no idea what you're in store for when you when you read our book. So. Why do you think we keep coming around to that narrative again and again and again? Like the the whole white savior bit, because we just had another Avatar movie released, right? Like, yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's 2023. Like, can't, can't <laughs> we just sort of move beyond this already? Well, um, I, as the white guy, I'll take this one. There are some we take the white guy, some the, the Vietnamese guy. Uh, I'll go with this one. Um, and we always try to be sensitive because we don't want to seem like, you know, we're um, you know, like against anybody or anything. Uh, but a couple things is first the, the white savior narrative, it's, it, it has been around forever and it's, it's not just necessarily with, with white people. It's any story in which any outsider comes to another town and, and cleans up the town, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I always think about like the movie rumble in the Bronx with where Jackie Chan comes to New York. Uh, if he was a white guy going to Japan, you know, it would be a white savior. It would, you could have the same movie with a replace Jackie Chan with a white guy who's nowhere near as talented and bring him to Japan. And, you know, it, it's that outsider kind of comes in and, and saves the day kind of thing. And the problem, though, is that typically the outsider has always been people who look like a better looking version of me, taller with more hair, essentially. And so the problem isn't necessarily white savior movies and the white savior narrative if you will the problem is that the underrepresented people aren't seen as much as the people in those movies so like the last samurai for instance eric and i love that movie um it's a a great movie nobody complained about it being a white savior movie at the time mm-hmm. but looking at it from a different lens and i and i've learned a lot through kind of this experience looking at it through a different lens it was made at a time when they didn't have movies that were the other way around as much or as many of them so the problem isn't necessarily with the white savior narrative it's with the fact that there aren't equally or more narratives where the hero doesn't look um once again like a a better looking version of, of the white guy that's speaking right now well, I don't want to get too lost in, in the, the politics <laughs> at the moment or anything like it's because this book genuinely is funny. And I, I feel like um, overwhelmingly, you know, that that is that is sort of the focus. And that's why I had so much so much fun with it. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, as it's a new year, everyone's excited about all they have coming out in 2023. So what else do you both have going on that you can talk about, of course? 
Uh, me right now, nothing so much. Just doing a little bit of variant covers here and there, seeing where my next, uh, what we're going to do next. Uh, I am working on another, um, you, there's, there's, there's been a, a cover image of it called Red Rain that I'm working on. Um, that, uh, I think, uh, if, if you look for it, you'll, you'll find it in, um, uh, where was it at? It's in one of well, back of one of our comics, but um, Red Rain is something that we're working on. It deals with more extraterrestrial stuff. Okay. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the price tag that's going to be on me and Eric together once White Savior takes off, like it will. Uh, so we have, like Eric was saying, and this uh, Red Rain in the works. We've got an idea for the sequel, and uh, Eric and I have been spinning some. Uh, I'm I'm a fingers crossed Marvel DC reaches out to us kind of guy. And so Eric and I already have uh, some of our pitches down. Uh, we think a lot of the humor in White Savior is, is very similar to Deadpool. So we think we, Eric and I may or may not have a, a, the greatest Deadpool idea ever. I'm not saying yes or no. I wrote a, a Deadpool pitch. It's so funny. So funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, so- I've, I've, I've read a lot of scripts and Scott's only one where I actually read it. I enjoy it out loud. I, I, you know, it's, it's lots of laughs. Deadpool is something that we will. I we hate like to say all that about yeah. me for the record. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> well, I, I definitely look forward to that. And, and I'm this, this tease of like going into other cultural groups. I'm super excited about that because I'm sure at this point, Daniel Day Lewis is looking back on Dances with Wolves and being like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So. so. Well, where can everybody find you online? Uh, Assuming Twitter's still here. That's oh, yeah, I, yeah. That's that's one of the things. I'm not a very so. Uh, I'm not very so. I don't do very much social media stuff, which I, I need to do. I mean, my goodness, uh, working with working on a book, let's say with the weekend, and I didn't capitalize on that. Come on, but uh, yeah, it's just me. I, I I'm not very social media savvy. I you know. I don't even like to look at my stuff on camera. <laughs> so, so yeah, TikTok is not in your future. Yeah. <laughs> Someone did mention it. So, so we have a we have a the Instagram for White Savior Comic. White Savior Comic um, at Instagram is the one that we're kind of I guess pushing the most right now. Uh, Twitter's a, a bit of a of a hurricane right now, so we're not sure what's going on with that. Mm-hmm. And so we, we figure most of the folks will be on Instagram because uh, eh, eh, we don't necessarily want to be on on camera as much for this. And TikTok doesn't really um, help you out there. And and we can honestly just show some of Eric's art on Instagram and it'll get millions of likes automatically. So sure. I think um, White Savior Comic at Instagram is, is the place we're kind of directing everybody for now. And um, yeah, that's, let's yeah. do that. And, and I post uh, other works, other variant covers I do on Eric Winart. That's my Instagram. That's my Instagram uh, handle. Um, but uh, Eric Winart is the same for Twitter and Instagram. So, okay. Yeah. Well, my last question question is my hustle segment. So, art is a hustle. I was a professional artist for fifteen years. Um, Scott, I know you talked about being in the theater. I was like fifteen years on the road working with. Everything from Broadway to the guy driving around the van trying to break the band that nobody had ever heard of and nobody's still heard of. So, um, 
But I'm looking for one piece of advice or encouragement for listeners out there who are thinking about a career in comics or currently in a slump, you know, trying to make their stories a reality. So what do you got for them? Aside from dedication, because seven years development to make a comic book is uh, it, good on you. That, that's for, that's impressive. Um, Eric, you got you got anything here? All right. Uh, for for aspiring artists, you got to love it. Um, uh, even your downtime. Yeah. When you're when you're so busy, uh, you got to love it. When you're not so busy, you got to love it. You always have to draw. You got to keep drawing. You got to keep practicing. You got to keep uh trying to do new stuff you can't get for me i love doing new stuff that's why i, I change a lot and i i my style varies a lot and, and i enjoy that part some people love to stick with one style that's great um but for me to keep to keep going is that i i, I use new tools i enjoy finding new tools i'm playing around with some 3d stuff uh but at, artistically you got to keep going you got to keep that motivation because when you're busy at work you're gonna hate it but when you don't have work you're gonna hate it so you 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 gotta you gotta keep uh, that enjoyment somehow and for me changing my style changing the way I approach artwork that keeps me kind of uh, creative I think and my mind is just discipline um I think that I think that the problem is a lot of times people will say I want to write something but they wind up procrastinating whatever reason i gotta do this i gotta do that my uh my kid is going to soccer i couldn't do anything today for me discipline so i write no matter what five pages a day i don't care if i have the longest day ever five pages a day and if i'm not doing it i if for some odd reason i'm not able to 10 the next day and i think that the problem with many people and and myself in the past was was definitely included in that many people thing is is just a lack of, of discipline. Um, because if there's no deadline, you're not going to do anything. And so you have to give yourself those deadlines and make them actionable deadlines. I'm going to do this by the end of the day, or I won't eat dinner, something like that. But um, I wish I said that more because I, I would probably be thinner. But um, yeah, you just need those, those, um, those disciplines. Uh, you're going to make it work. Well, White Savior looks amazing. I, I can't say I've ever seen anything quite like it. Um, very few comic books will make me laugh out loud, and I, I did several times. Um, so I know there's a lot of hype about it right now. So when can people expect it to hit shelves? What date are we looking at now? January 18th is when it's in stores. Uh, yeah, January 18th, I think it's, it's, that's when it hits the stores. January 18th, and then one a month um until uh january february march april boom and uh yeah and so you want to be calling your local comic book stores begging them to buy it uh because it's definitely going to sell out and we're definitely going to have a second printing of the first issue uh but in order to do that we we, we kind of want every single person to harass every single person that they know uh so that everybody spreads the word <laughs> well we'll do what we can um <laughs> Eric and Scott, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on our little podcast. It's been a lot well, of fun. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. This is Byron O'Neill on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, 
how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now